Today, we're bringing you an episode of Tech Titans. Art Hu, SVP at Lenovo, joins us in this episode to share his best advice on maximizing your perspective as a leader. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Tech Titans. In your experience, what's what's a mistake that you found yourself making over and over, and then you finally were like, I'm done, I've had it, I'm never repeating this mistake again? Yeah. Well, and that's a fascinating question, right? Because it's I, I think it goes back into the level of abstraction that you think about. And what I mean by that is, right, a mistake, you will you're very unlikely if you're at all thoughtful to repeat an exact mistake, right? The same situation, right, the same context, the same system. But where I find, right, I'd like to move faster, and I've been working with my team and how do we identify patterns are are really the patterns, right? How do we find classes of mistakes that you know really might have more similar root causes? So let me give you an example, right? So for a while, that we went through a period where we were having higher production level incidents that were causing significant impacts to the business, right? We might not be able to ship. Maybe we couldn't answer the call center in the region for a time, right? Maybe our manufacturing line went down at a critical moment. And we have a process within Lenovo called FUPAN, right? But that's literally uh, a kind of a, a metaphor of, you know, replaying the board of chess. It's a, it's a retrospective in a sense that goes very deep on the root causes. And what I found is, we would go very deep on what I would call the proximate cause, right? The teams were excellent about firefighting to say, okay, well, for example, in this case, the uh, right, the hardware had a failure, had a failure, and we just had a single node setup. Uh, and so, you know, well, how do we fix that? Okay, well, we should make it uh, a high availability setup. Uh, right? In another case, it might be well, the, the high availability didn't work the way we thought it would work. Right? So even if we had high availability, it didn't cut over the way we thought. Uh, and so t- what, what was happening is we were getting deep on a particular problem, a slice of a problem, but we weren't necessarily taking that and trying to expand it to say, what is the class of failures, right? So for example, if right, hardware failing, right? We, the one, you know, one week it was, well, the server, the server failed. The other was, right, the, the storage failed, right? The third was like the firmware and the controller node failed. And we were treating them as separate things, right? It's like, okay, well, if the firmware level fails, let's do this, right? If the storage fails, let's do this, right? If the network interface card on this port fails, let's do this. And while those were all right, you know, addressing that very narrow proximate cause, what we were missing was, well, guys, why don't we step back and think and put on our hat of, we keep seeing different types of these failures, right? But they're all related to some kind of hardware failure, right? Somewhere in the stack. And it doesn't matter if it was the storage, if it was the disk, right? if it was the motherboard, if it was an IC, like a 50 cent IC somewhere else on the chip. The, the broader problem to solve is how do we solve and how do we tolerate kind of arbitrary hardware failure, right? Uh, and so if you put your hat on that way, then you can reorient yourself and think differently. It's not, well, let me just think about it very technical. It's actually, there's an entire discipline around this, around SRE and site reliability engineering, right? And how you engineer assuming that there's going to be failure at different points, right? And then there's techniques and patterns that you can adopt to go fix that. So not so much as mistakes, but I think the the mental framing we took was too narrow, right? In a way that forces, I would say not to repeat mistakes, but for not stepping quickly enough to identify the synthesis to say, hey, look, there's 
a broader way of looking at this. And when you look at it more broadly, you don't have to be down. You, you do have to be down in the nuts and bolts to fix the proximate issue. But if you can think correctly and group and identify the classes of issues, then you can multiply the effect you get by fixing just one issue into, well, how do we fix an entire class of issues across the company? That's brilliant. <laughs> That's uh, You say stuff sometimes, Art, and I'm just like, my mind is just so focused on what you're saying. I'm not even thinking of like another question. I'm just like, I want, I'm taking notes. <laughs> It's great. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, it, and I think it's not me, it's the team, right? I think that's part of the value of, of dialogue, right? Which is you're, you know, as a leader, you're constantly thinking, what else is at stake, right? Because you're not going to be the person who's best fit to diagnose, well, what's wrong with the firmware version? And, you know, how many patch levels am I away? Am I N minus one or N minus two, right? The teams are going to be on top of that. And so a lot of the value add is really thinking with the team about, Right, these right mental models. Right, are we thinking about it the right way? And so, for example, of right, it was like a light bulb for the team. It's like, well, what instead of laboring every time when a production issue comes up, like this whole class of issues, we should bring right. And there's a whole body of work. Right, this is the whole point of, you know, how do you share knowledge and how do you, again, to your point, not make the same mistake twice. You can draw on people who are way smarter and at different scales than you and have done different variations. Uh, to accelerate your journey. So the next time you're confronting something new, it's really net new that you can spend your brain cycles on. So the result of, of those issues was site reliability engineering? Well, it was introducing elements of that, right? Because I think obviously it's easy to say, oh, we should just do site reliability engineering. But because it's a, right, there's a practice, there's a methodology, there's role definition around it, as well as architectural implications, right? That sets the team down a, a mindset right? Uh, change, right? Up to and including shifting from a very reactive mode, from incorporating a much of the mindset of how to incorporate quality from the beginning, right? How do we design in so that critical applications are more fault tolerant, right? Because there's a whole, right? There's a whole different way of engineering, right? At different levels, you can make your know, application logic choices, right? You can make deployment pattern choices about your cloud. And if you use private cloud or public or on-prem, uh, so even on the technical side, there's a whole, it drives a whole different set of downstream discussions that we need to then think about uh, how do we allocate skill to go do that. And the other interesting thing that happens is also right, it, it raises good business questions. So it flexes those muscles because now if you want to engineer a solution that's much more robust compared to what we've traditionally done, well, there's a cost and a time associated with that, right? It's not free. It, it, like if you think about the childhood kind of parable about the three little pigs, right? Do you want to build a straw house? Do you want to build like a stick house? Or do you want to build a brick house, right? They don't all cost the same, right? And they certainly take different times, but they'd have different characteristics about their resiliency and fault tolerance and the usability characteristics, right? And that's an interesting discussion with the business because normally they're just like, well, just make it right. And sometimes you have to have a bit of the discussion to say, yes, we can make it right, but let's really talk about what right needs. Sometimes, and by the way, it's, there's no value judgment in that. It's just a discussion. Sometimes the straw house is okay, right? I just need this for six months to the promotion season. And then we'll build it again next year, right? With the learnings of that. And that'll be the brick house for the long term. But for the next year, we'll just do and make do with a straw house. So figuring out that everything could change, but I really like owning outcomes and working with brilliant people. Like those are the two things that, that are requirements for me. Yeah, and again, if you look at modern CTO, I think it's 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 great, right? You've kind of built up a network of 
you know, really cutting edge thinkers on a variety of topics, right? For a variety of enterprises, right? So you kind of have this, this great network and you can see that accumulate over time, right? And maintaining those relationships and, and seeing how the world evolves along with them, right? And you kind of are at the front, the leading edge really of, well, I guess management and technology thought, right? And that's super appealing to see what you've built over time bear fruit. And some of the things, right, since we last spoke, Right, similarly, on seeing the outcomes, right, to have a hand and see the power of technology, right, as part of our business of driving deeper, and right, there there have been several, you know, and at this point, Lenovo is over fifty billion dollars, right. So, but you That's know, crazy. we've had, but we've That's had, so cool. right, and directly as a result of some of the things that we've worked with the business on enabling with technology, we have multiple new billion-dollar businesses that are high growth. Right, where I can point to and say that's something that we helped build in the last, you know, in the last in the time since we last spoke two and a half years ago. Right, so similar to you and seeing some of the arc over time, you're saying, "Boy, right, I, I helped, I helped build that," right? and that's really something to, right, that that gives me a tremendous sense of, right, satisfaction. That's awesome, right? There should be a few things where, you know, you, you couldn't predict, but if you look back, you're like. Yeah, right. Like, that's awesome that it's happened. I, I wouldn't have imagined it could, but I'm super glad it turned out this way. Uh, again, Joe, on a personal side, just you know, a book that I I read a while ago, but I will revisit, you know, regularly is, and you you may have heard of it from Clay Christensen, right? Of course, he passed last year, I think. Uh, but you know, the Innovator's Dilemma, fame, a famous business school professor. But he he wrote a kind of a very different book called you know, How Will You Measure Your Life, and it wasn't a business book at all. Right? But really, a much more philosophical, reflective piece about thinking about what's what's important. Right? And so, if you haven't read it, it's uh, it's certainly worth worth a read to help put things in context. I definitely will because I did when he passed. There was a lot of social media posts, and I said, "Well, I hadn't heard of this person," so I watched a TED talk, and I think the TED talk was maybe a preview to measuring your life. And man, that was deep. It really it really stuck with me. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's it it really helps put things in context, right? If you're having one of those days, and we all do, right? Where you know not, the things aren't quite going the way you think it is, so it helps keep things in, in perspective.